Breaking. 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 Uh, imposter. The imposter. Imposter. Breaking. The imposter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Imposter. I'm your host, Jermaine Ward, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Shafiz Walji. Shafiz is a co-founder of Another Room, and based on all of that is all I'm going to say. I'll let you take the floor, Shafiz, and introduce yourself further. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jermaine. Um, as Jermaine said, I'm Shafiz, uh, the co-founder of Another Room. Uh, we're a cannabis accessory company, and we started about two years ago, and so um it's two of us trying to play the role of maybe 20 people just doing what we're doing uh, kind of in that startup mode, but um, it's been going real good. And um, we just uh, had 420 come up, so had a big campaign rolling there. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. You say you started it two years ago. How has the industry treated you as things were starting to get a little bit more explosive in Toronto? especially with people working from home more. <laughs> For sure. You know, honestly, we um, we weren't sure what 2020 was going to bring us, but um, sales increased quite a bit. And so, uh, you know, I think that we noticed that people uh, were definitely smoking more weed. <laughs> and um, I think that that was just uh, a great place for us to to kind of get to have gone through the first year of just experimenting and figuring out who we were, who we were. And so I think last year, you know, we were really able to kind of hone in on some of the brand awareness that we created the year before and just start to get to focus in on um, bringing really cool products uh, to, to, to people. So I think, yeah, it was, it was an interesting year to go through because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and I think there was a few, few periods where we just kind of, weren't sure what to do. We had a lot of plans that were going to happen in real life. And um, that obviously had to all kind of uh, get postponed and canceled eventually. And so um, it was it was a bit of a roller coaster. But I think like, you know, we started it doing this remotely. Um, my co-founder, Chloe, is out in Kelowna and I'm, I'm out here in Toronto. And so we had already started doing this remote. And so I think like as we got to the pandemic and a lot of people were panicking and not sure how they were going to adjust remote. I think um, we kind of had that privilege of being able to to be in an environment where we already knew how to work in that manner. So I think um, it was just, in certain ways, it was business as usual. But you know, I think obviously with the external factors of what was going on, um, there was a lot to adapt around. But um, we were kind of set up to do it. So. Um, kind of a, a nice thing that came out of out of that year for sure yeah so there's no real disruption of your flow and your business because it's like well this is kind of our model anyways we don't have to go and pick up our brick and mortar or take away our office or whatever my office space was my house so yeah exactly and one of our things is another room is for those going somewhere nowhere and everywhere and so we just focused on that middle part nowhere right i think there's still a lot to live in there um, in the life of people that smoke weed. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun experimentation throughout the year for sure. Awesome. Awesome. And like, how do you even decide to start a company, um, like a weed company, even though that wasn't really, it was still in its like more budding stage, take the pun, do with it what you will. But <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll take that pun for sure. Um, you know, I think, it all just starts from conversations that 
Chloe and I were having. And I think, you know, she had talked to me about kind of this feeling of what it's like when you smoke weed and kind of entering this this new space or almost this new perspective. And so we we're just chatting about um, different names that kind of like resonated. And um, one of the names that she said was another room. And it was just like right away, I think I... I've always had this feeling of like being attached to brands in this way where like, you know, you hear something or you see something and you kind of are, you see this vision like in, in the blue sky. And as soon as she said another room, I just saw so much in front of us because I think number one, it was just like, you hear so many cannabis companies that have canna or something like that related in the name. And I think it just felt so different, but so on brand for what the vibe and the mood of a stoner actually is like of going or entering another room. And so I, I just, honestly, I was so lured in by like the brand and where that could go. And I was already someone who smoked weed. So it was just like two, two worlds kind of coming, coming together. And I mean, I don't know how you say no to that. So yeah and i'm like thinking of it as the metaphorical aspects it'd be like mentally yeah. you're going into that other space or that other room in kind of that sense too so i could see where that brandy fits in like huh <laughs> yeah no for sure and, and i think it was um it was just a thing that you know started as a conversation and we talked about it really focusing on a travel kit which was the first set of products that we that we launched with but we started to, to iterate from there and just kind of um, see what was actually resonating with people. And um, I think one really big thing that we've learned over that time is we were kind of going into a lot of things, assuming what people needed. And we've started to establish more um, research practices where we're starting to learn what do people actually need and where are the gaps that we can actually enter into their um, into their customer journey and help People find things that um, maybe they didn't know they needed before, but solves an actual problem for them. And so, um, you know, from just such interesting and intriguing conversations about the brand and where it could go to where we are today, it's just, it's been kind of an interesting journey, but really just started from a conversation, honestly. So, yeah. And like the approach is very much in like the UX, CX mindset of who are these people? What are they doing today? How do we catch them at those moments so we could provide value and i think by what you said this last year two years of doing it has really allowed you to know more about the space of your customers and then you're just continuing to grow from there that's just, which is pretty awesome because that's that's my bread and butter right <laughs> yeah no for sure and i mean you know it like i'll also say just to kind of add on to that over the last year right like when you and i first connected mm -hmm. i was working at rbc ventures right and i think you know i want to kind of give a bit of a bit of a shout out to that opportunity because that's what got me into this strategy design mindset of like you know what comes before design and i think i had always worked with researchers and i understood the like need for strategy, but getting to work more heavily in that space and getting to be part of establishing strategy and getting to help, you know, different types of product teams start from a very early stage or more mature stages, it kind of gave more like understanding to what it takes to build something into something sustainable. And I think that 
you know, when, when I left early January uh, this year, it was because I felt like, okay, that was, that was that one last, op- that one last opportunity and role for me that, that really ignited something that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go and do this. And we might fall flat on our faces, but I'm ready to fall flat on my face. And I think that confidence was something that I was kind of waiting for. And that opportunity just really allowed for that to, to kind of come about over the course of that year. Yeah. And that's really crazy that like when you, cause it wasn't like you started your business venture when you thought, when you had the tools to really push it to that next level that you're looking at, it's like, you really were building on it. It was your baby figuratively speaking. And then while you were gaining skills, other places, you really started to bring that back into your whole experience of like, you know what, this is what I really want to do. This is what I want to really push forward. So it's just like funny to hear that what you're necessarily doing today or, or well, yesterday, because you had left the company contributed to something that you probably didn't even know it was going to contribute to in the future in such an immense way. Right. Totally. Totally. Nice, 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 nice. And just from there, when you're continuing to do this, and I know you had a lot of opportunity and you had mentioned it before, but why specifically are you pursuing this and you feel like this just should be the path that you're going down right now? Like what makes like being a co-founder and going down that route versus just sticking to more so of what you were doing in customer experience strategy? Um, What made you feel like this transition is more appropriate for you now? I think, um, honestly, and I'm sure this happened for a lot of us, um, during the pandemic, right? I think I was like hit with a bit of this challenge of I was working on another room, kind of at a full-time capacity, but also working at RBC Ventures at the nine to five full-time capacity, right? And, and I think I was doing both things and one was teaching me something and I was also doing that thing at, at RBC, RBC Ventures, but... I think it was also like helping the other part of what I was doing during the day kind of like get to the level where I saw so much more potential with what we were doing with another room. And so I think going through that year, more and more I realized that, you know, I was working with all these different ventures, but being on that CX team in RBC Ventures, you're like kind of an internal consultancy, right? So you're working with different clients almost and they're partners and you you have a lot more communication with them than the typical agency client format. But as I was working with them, you know, we'd finish an engagement after, you know, two, three months and then we would move on to the next type of engagement, right? And it's not that that communication dropped off, but obviously a natural part of our job is that we have to then refocus onto the next thing. Right. And so I started always feeling like, okay, I want to play things out a little bit more. I want to get into the action plan. I want to like see that strategy through into, into seeing where does this actually go with customers? Let's, let's continue to test and iterate. Right. And I think that for me was always what I was doing with another room, but I was starting to see, the capabilities of strategy design with all of these ventures. And so it was just like two things were kind of happening at the same time. And I think I just hit a point where I was, you know, I'm kind of just ready to bet on myself and see, see where it goes. And, and I always say bet on myself as a little ode to Fred Van Vliet, um, because I am the biggest Raptors fan um, there is, but, you know, 
I truly believe in that. It's just like, I, I really, um, I really couldn't have gotten to a point where I felt ready to bet on myself until, until I went through that opportunity. And it's kind of just, just this nice crossroads of you're not leaving a company because something made you really want to be out or something wasn't aligned on the vision and mission of what they're doing. But I think it was just a natural point in my career where I was like, I think this is just a natural point of, you know, I've gotten this opportunity. I've learned the things that I've learned and ready to like take it forward into, into something that I'm, I'm super passionate about and something I want to see through um, in the same way that venture partners want to see through their venture. Right. So. I think that's a really good point that you make of not leaving because something has to be wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah. from this point of your life, from what I've been hearing and what you told me, it just seems like as you progress, you're moving things down to paths that are kind of the same, but they're moving in different directions and you're looking to yeah. consolidate those experiences and, maybe it wasn't the best idea to invest yourself so strongly in a project and then kind of let it go its own course. You want to be there for more of what it's, what is the next step look like? How do I make it into a, a better product? How does the strategy last and be more sustainable as, as it goes and be, and further along? And I think that that's a really good lesson to learn of, yeah. Just like sometimes if you feel like, and this is where it sounds like more gut feelings and things, if it feels like it's more natural and that you're moving in that direction, it's okay to take that risk on yourself again. And I know, I know from my, like switching to UX and doing that route, the feel, some of the feelings that come up. And I'm just wondering like, what were some of the emotions that like started to spring up and how did you manage those emotions when it came to really taking that risk on yourself for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an emotional person. I'll say right off the bat. So there was a lot of different stuff that was coming up for me. And I think like, you know, um, a lot of it, I think I will have to, I have to credit my partner um, that I just, I think being able to have someone that I could get to have the right kinds of conversations with that, you know, she's also going through a bit of a transition in her career as well too. And I think like, I got to be honest with you, like without those conversations and being able to talk through things carefully and feel like, you know, no matter what this, this person that, you know, you is your partner in life, I think, is supportive of whatever route you're taking. I got to be honest, that is such a big part of it. Because I don't know, there's this piece of when I started another room, I was single. And it was kind of like, you know, it, it was my own mission in life where this was going to go. And then, you know, when I got into a relationship, um, I think the thing is, is that that support from her was always there, no matter if it was like betting all all eggs on the basket on of another room, or if I wanted to go and pursue something with RBC Ventures or do both at the same time, right? And I think like that support from her was always there. And I think that that was something that really helped me kind of get through um, just some of the like, am I ready to do this, right? Because we were both like, are we both ready to go through big transitions in our career? And um, I think, uh, you know, another thing was just realizing that 
you know, when you bet on something, it doesn't mean that you've, you know, your one path ahead is the only path ahead, right? I think just by nature of the name another room, right? It's another room, right? And and I'm stepping into it. But there are other doors, right? And there there can be doors that are always open. There can be, you know, like another room is not just about the company and what we want to do there. One really big thing that Chloe and myself kind of set out with it was building our ideal lives. And this is something like her and I talk about a lot of the time. And so even when we're thinking about our product roadmap, right, it's not just about another room, but it's about what other things in life outside of the business need to be part of how we schedule our year out and our quarters out, right? And and I think knowing that what I was about to step into was taking back control of my time and getting to feel like the time that I spend in the day is put towards the thing that I'm most passionate about. You know, these are just some of the different factors that I think really um, kind of came together in in me feeling like, okay, I'm I'm ready to do this thing. You know? Yeah, and I I think that's just really amazing. I'm here. It's like, how do I add more value to that? But I think you say it. I think you say it very well of really having somebody that is like your confidant, where you can openly talk about what's happening with you and from the sounds of it i'm gonna make the assumption it doesn't feel like there's an environment where you're feeling judged you're just able to you're just able to explore ideas explore different avenues accept what comes with either avenue and just continue the conversation moving forward there and i think a lot of people may not have that and i would I would advise people to try and find at least one person that you can confide in, that you can talk with. It could be your partner. It could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be a coach. But I know for me as well, that type of having that type of support in your corner just makes it feel more like if I'm taking this risk, if I have somebody else that has a belief that I can take this risk or could be with me when I'd be like, okay, that didn't work. Could we discuss it? It could really help with with moving forward and getting to more ideas and doing that reflection because self-reflection is great, but sometimes the self is not enough to do a full stack um, reflection because like maybe even the self is being judgmental. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. And I think like, you know, um, a big part of it, you know, whether whether it's, you know, a partner or a friend or a parent, I think one really big thing is the vulnerability that comes with having those conversations. And like, you know, um, I think being open and ready to like kind of lay it all on the line and, you know, say like how you really feel. And even though you're just like, yeah, you know, the first time you say it, right. You could, you, you have this feeling of like, okay, I might be judged, but I might not be judged. Right. And I think like at the end of the day, I would rather just say what what's there and and if it gets if it's responded to the way in a way that doesn't doesn't fit with me we will move through it the same way that we move through everything and i think like you know but obviously that's i and i know this it's a lot easier said than done and because i know <laughs> when, I, when i preach these things and then when i'm in the situation it's a lot more difficult so i yep. just want to <laughs> but um you know i think the like practicing that vulnerability has been something that has been a big part of, you know, the last, I want to say four or five years, ever since I read this one Brene Brown book, Tearing Greatly, 
for Dave um, Brown. Yes. <laughs> I, that book just changed so much for me. And I think like the term vulnerability, I had never even thought about in, in, in that frame of like in that way until I read that book. And I think um, it, it's just changed a lot about the openness in conversations that I have with, with people around me. And so I think, yeah, just, just like you were saying, right. Is it kind of takes whoever, whoever is around you, you know, you need to have a little bit of that vulnerability to, to allow someone in to have that, that real conversation. Yeah. And I think that's very, that's very true because if you're not willing to be vulnerable, it means that when you're having those conversations, you're editing I know, I know the moments when I don't have vulnerability, I'm out here editing like a champion. I could be the yeah. best, I could make the best author's novel look the greatest because everything will be edited to the T, but I'm also not really able to solve my problem or understand my problem because I'm making a new version of it that I don't even know of and I'm making up as I go. So I think that's really important that aspect of vulnerability and getting to know yourself better. And I think it's a good transition to kind of like my next question that I have, which is including all of the vulnerability and all the reflection that you've been doing and all that you've been kind of talking with your partner with to understand yourself a little bit more and the past that you take, how would you define your brand today? So I think, and, and obviously I've, probably already said this in a few different ways, but that vulnerability is a big piece of it. But I think it's like, <laughs> it's interesting. If you asked me this five years ago, I would have been like, oh, it's simple, minimalistic. Like th those would have been my design things that I would have just like fired off at you, right? But um, honestly, doing whatever it takes to build my emotional intelligence, that for me is like, if I go through one job and then the next job and the next opportunity after that and 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 I'm able to you know go through those situations and experiences and learn from them and it helps build how I you know either don't allow for a toxic environment around me or how I know when to you know when something doesn't feel like it fits well in my mental well-being anymore right or like you know like the more things that I've gone through, I feel like a big part of me has been like, what can I take from this and build in terms of how can I better communicate with people, but also how can I better communicate with myself in what I need, right? Because I think that that's always such a difficult thing because you're, you feel like you've got many different needs. And I think starting to figure out which ones are the most important um, and which are the ones that actually you know, bring a smile or happiness to the day for you versus which are the ones that you think bring those, those feelings. Right. And I think, um, you know, so just kind of going back to that personal brand is like, whatever I can do to build more empathy, create more vulnerability and, and continue to build that emotional tool belt, because at the end of the day, whatever we're doing, right. We're communicating with people and, it takes a lot of understanding, a lot of patience to have excellent communication with people. And that takes work, right? And But a lot of times you're so focused on the work that the communication is just something that needs to happen along the along the way. And, and I think it's like, no, the communication actually, that that's the work, right? And, and the work is also work too, but that's a big part of it. Um, so. Awesome. And do you feel... 
that others look as your look at your brand the same way and also look at you from being somebody that's very empathetic and has high emotional intelligence and is always looking to be vulnerable as much as is reasonable because i i don't like going vulnerable and just be telling everybody about everything in your life may be too much but like being vulnerable as will make Brene brown proud <laughs> totally. uh, and you know i mean I, I I won't speak for anyone else, but I feel like I, I mean, I, at least I hope, right? And I think like in the conversations that I have, right, if that vulnerability also needs to come with the sense of, okay, also tell me if I am, if I am not seeing things in a way that, that align with what the way you're seeing them, right? Or like, let's have that openness to, to like, you know, know that I might have a different perspective, you might have a different perspective, let's discuss that, right? And I think, you know, I always want to show up to a conversation with that, with that mindset. And so, um, I mean, I hope that, that people see that, that empathy, but I think, yeah, like I definitely wear my heart on my sleeve <laughs> and, um, sometimes maybe the vulnerability can get, can get the best of me, but I think like it can also be the best parts of me too. And so I think, yeah, there's sometimes it's hard to find that line of like, when do you, when do you show some of that vulnerability and when do you have to like hold it back? But I think there are these, like these key triggers or key moments in, in interactions where you're like, okay, you're building more of that trust. And the more of that trust, the more of that vulnerability, right? So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just finding the balance, striking the balance, never really sure how other people or other people are able to see you playing that like so tightrope walk of how much do I give? How much do I allow all of yeah. those different feelings and just letting it be as it is because you don't have control over it <laughs> at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And from your brand perspective, based on those traits, who do you think may or may not love you um, or, or love your brand? who may not love my brand who may or may not love your brand i think it doesn't matter who loves or doesn't love my brand because i think i i need to love it right and i think like again that that that's a question it's an interesting question right because there's like i could answer the like yeah there's probably people that i know that don't love this like super open wear your heart on your sleeve like work is work right and, and there are a lot of people that that have that mindset and you know what i think that's if that works for you then all the power to you right and i know that this works for me right and this is the way that i think i'm happy to move through my career and my life and so i think at the end of the day it's it, honestly it's just about like you like myself coming to terms with do i love my brand right because i you like you're your own worst critic and and i think or biggest critic and and i think you know, that at the end of the day, it's always like, do I, do I feel like I'm progressing from who I was yesterday? Do I feel like I'm different from yesterday? I think it's a lot of this like comparison to, to who I was yesterday rather than other, other individuals in the industry. And I think, or, you know, in, in my life, um, but, you know, obviously there's a, you know, like I said, there's, I have many people in my life who are like the type that work is work. Right. And, um, and I think in certain cases, there will be conversations where we might not always see eye to eye, but 
I think sometimes you got to just appreciate that everyone's in their own situation and has their own experience, right? And I think um, there's, you know, everyone has their own truth in, in a lot of different ways. And, and I think, um, yeah, but my biggest, the, the one that I worry about the most is myself is how do I feel about my own brand? Yeah, and I think that's really important to kind of bring that focal lens back to Shafiz. Yeah, other people, they're going to be having a good day. They may like your style of brand today. They may not like it tomorrow. They, There's so many different factors that are out of your control. But I really do respect the fact that you go back to going as, as much as you're being like a critic, of <laughs> an internal critic of yourself. Yeah. And you said that you don't want to do it. You also are kind of more so monitoring. Okay, am I okay with how I feel about where my personal personal brand is how am i interacting with other people how do i want to be reflected on other people even if they may not understand it and at the end of the day that takes the most precedence of how i would view myself how i view my branding versus other people loving and not loving because we know from celebrity culture that could switch in a second (laughs) you know what i will say though like it's not like i'm still human right so there's there's times when that stuff will take me for a spin, right? Or someone will say something and it'll make me feel like, oh, shit, like, am I not, like, doing the right thing? Or am I, like, not, you know? But I think there's, there's like, the the spin of, you know, what day-to-day interactions look like. And then there's the th- times when you're like, okay, you got to look at, okay, what's the most important thing here? And it's that, do I feel happy with what it is? And, and if I feel like I am, then then that's all that, I guess matters, right? And until tomorrow, maybe tomorrow's version of me isn't happy with it, right? So um, it's always it's always uh, an interesting journey. Yeah, always listening and seeing because even yourself, based on mood, based on state. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no one. World. Sorry. It's a tricky world. <laughs> yeah, no one resounding tone that's going to be throughout all of your experience. You have a place that you'd like to go back to and be able to live in but as you said you are human it is that interaction that could be nuanced at times it require you to be like wait wait pull it back yeah. pull it back i'm gonna say something i'm gonna regret or i'm thinking things okay. i'm gonna but okay processed let's move forward and try and understand that a bit more and just going off of that understanding a bit more of like the personal brand or like the experience of personal of like how things changed. I really interested in a time that throughout your career, throughout your life, based off of metrics that who knows sets, you felt like you would be at risk of being exposed as a fraud um, based on how people may have perceived you and the expectations that you had to meet those feelings. Yeah, so I think, um, I think when I graduated from graphic design, um, I felt very, um, I had initially felt very confident coming out of graphic design. And then I sent my portfolio to an art director at an advertising agency and I got it ripped apart and I felt like I was exposed for the fraud that I was. <laughs> and, you know, I won't lie. I was like in tears that night and I was just like, oh my, like, did I just completely, like, was I in over my head? And I I think it was a really interesting moment for me because it was the first time in the passion that I had finally, like, you know, I had gone and pursued graphic design. This was something that I really loved 
doing and now it was kind of thrown in my face of like you know all, all this feedback that made me feel like okay I <laughs> I obviously don't know what I'm doing you know and I think it really came down to that like what was the expectation of where I should have been right now and I actually had a real open and honest conversation with that with that art director and kind of dug into it a little bit more and kind of got back to a place where I was like, okay, I'm like ready to continue along my path of, of being a graphic designer. But I think, you know, one thing for me is in that moment, I, I really did feel like, oh my, like, oh my God, like I worked so hard for this thing and I'm just being exposed here. But it was also a really big moment of like, you're not, you're not going to reach this point. And like, you know, no longer be this, like, like you stop learning after this certain point, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like in some way we are always going to be a fraud until the end of time, right? Because we will find another thing to make ourselves feel like we are, you know, we're not, we're not that, or it's like, we're, it's that imposter syndrome thing. Right. And, and I think that, um, yeah, that that was you know as soon as you asked that question, that's where my my head went to. Never yeah. that I know exactly where I was sitting. I know how I was. I know what laptop I was using. Everything about it. And um, yeah, I don't know if I fully answered your question there, but I hope I kind of did. No, I could understand that. I think just like recapping and bringing it back, where as you, I took like the point that you said. Um, at, a, at any given point of our life, we're going to be feeling like a fraud. And I, first of all, I was just like, oh, no, is this never going away? But at the same point, I think it very much ties the theme of what you were saying, where you're going and you'd be like, oh, I started school. I'm going to I feel like I'm not really that good because like my high school teachers or whoever was saying I was pretty good. But then as you progress, you get to a point of competence where you're like, you know what? I think I could actually do this. I think I'm actually pretty good. I was getting A's. I was getting this. And then you go to the art director and you're back like at square one of like, wait, wait, what? Why am, why am I not an easy hire? I got A's. I showed up to class. I did my homework. Like, yeah. where does it go from here? But then that just means that there's this, you've hit that plateau of like, you're no longer like a super beginner. You're a beginner. So now we have to see how does it look like as a professional graphic designer? What are we looking for? And as you start that career and you start building confidence, you're like, I got this. And then you go and you realize like, you know what? I think I'm good enough to go into customer experience let's i'm just imagining that's the next step and then you're like wait 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 a second yes yeah. i'm back at the beginning of i don't really know what i'm doing but i'm i'll try my best to do it <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's like gosh it is it's scary starting at the beginning so many times right in in an industry that like is connected in so many ways right like from branding and advertising to you know, UX and customer experience and strategy, like you can make a path along all of those. But at every point, you're kind of like, oh, hey, I know all these things, but now I've gone into this role and this is something else. And the other stuff I know will help me, but it's not what they expect of me, right? It's all the like nice to haves, the additional things, the things that like add to what you do. But I think it's always just like a, almost getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because... Mm -hmm. You know, like, especially, I don't know, even this track of like, 
trying to like doing another room, right? It is kind of like learning how to be comfortable with a thing that might not feel always super comfortable, right? Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense because as you're going from transition to transition to transition, from what I'm understanding you saying is if you feel like I've had this experience, I've gained this competency, I should be able to transfer it over fully. You're setting yourself up for a bad day because no matter what you do, there's always going to be a point and there's going to be some things that are transferable, some things that are not. And you should focus on what are those transferable things. And then from there, being willing to accept the fact that I probably don't know anything else from here. So how do I learn? How do I keep myself from growing and have that beginner mentality to prevent yourself from feeling constantly like, but... I did a really good job on this project. I did a really good job on, on UX design. I was a great graphic designer. What do you mean I'm not ready to actually work in it from a professional perspective? What do you mean yeah. I'm not able to be just be a fantastic um, customer experience designer? Like, no, I, I, I should work. I, I've been doing this. I know I'm yeah. competent in another area. So that means I should be competent in this area. I'm like, no, don't put that pressure on yourself. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because it's like, you kind of always put this insane pressure on yourself in the beginning and then you start to like realize okay wait like it takes it takes a while right and i, I never read this book but i always saw this book on my partner's shelf and it was like the first 90 days but i think that first 90 days is a really interesting concept and without reading the book i haven't read a single word in it so i don't know at all what it says but just the first 90 days i think that in itself resonates with like you know, it, it takes time for you to get into the routine of anything, right? And I think like, what do the first 90 days look like for you? Is that a new way of like going into what that next thing might look like? And so I think that was something that really like kind of helped in that in that next portion when I was like, okay, I'm leaving RBC and I'm going to focus on another room. So what does, what does 90 days from here look like, you know? Yeah, and that's really important. Giving yourself enough time have patience with yourself. We're patients with babies learning how to walk. But as soon as we start showing some level of competency, we don't give ourselves that luxury of, you know what, first 90 days, just do bad, but continue to do it and get a little bit better, get a little bit better, get a little bit better. Because if you expect yourself to at any given point, go from A to B to C and everything's going to be smooth, you're doing yourself a disservice of not giving yourself room to grow. Because if yeah. you're meant to be the same person you are at the start of those 90 days, at the end of those 90 days, then why bother? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, and for for you, I would assume that, I'll make the assumption that you found some level of success or like the comfortability that you're speaking about going through this path, you're finding things successful in your life. And I just wanna know like, what makes you feel that that kind of path to success is a little bit more normalized for your own life? Like what, what makes that path feel more like, okay, this is part of my day to day now and it doesn't feel super like I'm still adjusting to it. Yeah. And it not feel like it's only meant for the exceptional quote unquote group to be successful. Totally. I think it's um this thing of just realizing that it takes everyday work to do this thing, right? And it's like, it sounds so simple when you put it like that, but I think every day is another challenge and another opportunity to go and do um, 
I don't want to say more than what you've done yesterday, but to go and have the the right type of day for for what you needed to be. And I think like as I've done, I've worked on another room while I've been working at another company at the same time. I've done it while I was freelancing before. And I'm doing it now where I'm really focused on that being more of the full-time thing. I think um, as I go through it, I'm realizing that honestly, each day like presents a bit of a new challenge. And so there, there kind of is this like, I'm almost like getting comfortable with knowing that, okay, there is going to be like an ambiguous path ahead. Right. And I think, um, knowing that that's something that you can kind of play within and get to be agile and get to be a little bit more crafty and a little bit more scrappy, I think kind of also presents this, this way of like, okay, we can still like, we can do this, right. It's not that, that we are like incapable of doing this thing, but I think sometimes just kind of getting comfortable with that ambiguity kind of like lets me feel like, okay, even though tomorrow might be something completely different. And, you know, I'm still going through that transition of what this looks like full time for me and putting, putting all things into this. I think that getting comfortable with that um, is a big, big part of it. And, and that's, but that's like, it's not an easy thing to just be like, okay, you toggle the switch to on and now you're comfortable with ambiguity. And I think like, again, that was something that that role at RBC Ventures strategy design is a very ambiguous world, right? Because you are taking qualitative research and you're turning that into insights that lead to things that you're prototyping and testing. And so those things can change at any point in time, right? Or a business goal might change in the middle of something you're working on. And, and so it's just always like, I think that really got me more prepared for just like a day could look like this, but it could also look completely opposite. And, and so the more you go through it, I guess the more you kind of get used to expecting it, but I'll tell you every day that happens, it's always a bit of a, like, there's always some surprise that comes with it. Right. So something that like keeps you grounded, but still a little bit on your toes. And that's just the right recipe for me to feel like, okay, I like this. I like doing this every day. And I like that this is what days feel like for me. Yeah. Just having that balance of, I know I'm moving forward a little bit, but yeah, what comes with the territory that things aren't going to be perfect. I'm going to get my feathers ruffled and I just have to accept that as part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that and many conversations again with my partner, um, she's also, uh, just been helping us a lot with our like our bookkeeping <laughs> and <laughs> to be honest with you um i just yeah it, it's to to understand things you know even at uh at a more like just numbers level where you know a lot of times when i'm focused on customer experience and i'm focused on design or branding right we can get lost in the blue sky world and i think kind of getting back to core numbers sometimes it weirdly enough it just like brings more meaning to it without all of the like the emotion and the like the that gets attached to things and as i said i'm an emotional person so sometimes the numbers can kind of just ground me a little bit and make me feel like okay like that looks good that is progress from you know uh two months before or four months before so that that's also something that um thanks 
I'm very thankful that that my partner Tess um, is able to to kind of help us with. So she again keeps me grounded in this. So yeah, it's really super helpful to have somebody running the books. Like try to do it all by yourself. I could just tell by like. <laughs> trying to schedule people, trying to reach out, trying to edit, like yeah. even just things for the podcast. If it all has to be done by me, it could provide less value. And it's really good that you have that kind of support and that team around you where you're not doing it all alone. And you're rec you recognize that probably most importantly, so that yeah. you could give yourself space to provide value the best way that you can at the end of the day. For sure. Awesome. So now it's going to be one of my favorite segments. I think that this is where we get a lot of value in a short amount of time in terms of the answers that you give. It's a rapid fire segment. So sent you the questions. Uh, really super interested into learning what you have to say and just providing value for everybody that's listening today. So first question I want to ask is one, what is one attribute that has contributed to your success slash growth? Uh, I would say empathy um definitely we talked about that quite a bit but that's been the thing that has um been i think above and beyond the thing that sets me like kind of is who i am you know what i mean and so i think that's the thing that i will always take take forward with me into any any new opportunity or any new conversation awesome and who has been a great inspiration for you I think um, in the last little while, you know, I want to talk about in the recent years and uh, my last manager that I had, uh, Tim, he was the one that really saw a lot of potential in, in me, you know, expanding from customer experience or from more UX into customer experience and strategy. And so he uh, really was a catalyst for a lot of the decisions that I'm making today. And I think like gave me the space to to kind of grow and learn in a in a pace that worked for me, and um, while getting to you know have a, almost a mentor figure as as a manager, and I think um, that was uh, that was a really big inspiration for me over the last over the last year or so. Yeah, great to have somebody that's working with you closely that's also helping you to stay inspired and stay growing. Definitely. And who has been your biggest cheerleader for your successes? Again, I'm gonna to have to throw this back to my partner. Uh, you know, especially during the pandemic when we were next to each other at so many hours of the day, and um, you know, having conversations back and forth. She is always the one that is just like, you know, when I spin because I spin, <laughs> um, she'll kind of rein things back in, and um, and then outside of that, it's always my mom. Uh, she is always checking in and just wanting to see how things are going and. Is always just kind of a cheerleader from afar and always one that I know is uh, excited for, for what I'm working on. So I think those are the two people for me. Awesome. And what's one lie you had to stop telling yourself? <laughs> um, honestly, I thought that I always had to be a good illustrator. Uh, to become a successful designer. And I had to finally tell myself that it's not going to happen and illustration is not going to happen for me. So uh, when I finally stopped telling myself that lie, just decided to get like, I got to move on from that. Okay, cool. So what is a hobby that you do outside of work that keeps you grounded? Um, so playing basketball was a really big thing until they I guess now we're just not allowed to go on basketball courts. So that's kind of not, uh, not available. Um, 
uh, honestly, um, bubble baths. Bubble baths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most relaxing thing in the world. And I, you know what? Not many men talk about taking bubble baths, but I am going to. So um, honestly, just, yeah. After a long day of work, I don't know what else would, would keep me more grounded than that. So, yeah. Awesome. And unfortunately, until I move, I will not be able to fit in my tub. So I cannot enjoy the same pleasures. <laughs> so what is the best advice you've ever received? Gosh, this, is, this one was a difficult one because now you're thinking about, okay, all the advice you've gotten in the last 10, 12 years. And um, the one, again, that I think in the most recent years, um, from Tim, again, my manager at, at RBC Ventures. Um, just simple one, um, progress, not perfection. And this was really just like, it really hit me in the in the right place at the right time because that was one where, you know, going into strategy design for me at the time was a new territory. And I think that, again, that imposter syndrome, right? Where you're like, can I actually do this? And I think him just saying progress, not perfection. I want to see that you're able to like learn from what didn't work yesterday, not that you're getting everything perfect today. And I think that was just like, just such a good vote of confidence in, in seeing someone actually learn and grow and not just having this expectation of you need to be here before we even get started, you know? And, and I think, um, that was one piece of advice that, um, I know Will will always live with me for sure. Yeah, progress, not progression. It's not sorry, progress, not perfection, not perfection. <laughs> progression is definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty girl. I'm pretty sure progress is inside of progression. So, <laughs> so if you had sixty seconds with yourself when you came out of high school, what advice would you give him? nothing is going to be like what the last 12 years look like. Um, so honestly, like believe in what you want to do. And honestly, I, I didn't love what high school was for me. So I think for me, it's really just driving home this idea that high school is not your life like that. in in when you're in it, right, you think that that is your entirety of your life. And I think just really understanding that you know, there's a whole new world out there after high school. And I think for me, that's when life really felt like it started. Um, so I think just trying to relay that in as many ways as possible in 60 seconds, but hoping that a grade 12 uh, student in Edmonton, Alberta would figure that out. So Yeah, I try to get them outside of their head to be like, no, no, this is all I know, though. <laughs> so I know you mentioned daring greatly but what is one book that you'd recommend for the listeners to read i think outside of daring greatly um another book that i think uh is one that i've really enjoyed reading was radical candor um i feel like you hear this a lot in the tech world now i feel like i'm just like filling in a template but i i think just you know to kind of relay it back to me being uh like an overly emotional person, right? And and understanding that fine line of radical candor and knowing when you need to say things um, so that conversations and, and, and interactions can progress forward and when 
that emotion kind of comes into play. And I think like finding that fine line, I think there's a lot of concepts in that book that kind of like just talk through those different things and talk through the different perspectives that kind of, you know, different people have in the workplace. And I think it's, it's a, it's a book that I think if more, more of us were able to have a better understanding of how each of us have different communication styles, we might be able to get closer to a point where, uh, you know, we're able to be real open and honest with each other um, while still knowing the line of, you know, what what makes someone feel comfortable versus what makes someone feel uncomfortable. Um, but sometimes knowing that uncomfortability might be necessary too, right? So I think that was a really, uh, really important book. Awesome. And it's the one that you had put on my reading list before. I have it on Audible. And now I have to start it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So what is one piece of parting advice for the listeners? Believe in yourself because um, it sounds, <laughs> I say these things and I'm like, that sounds so cliche. Honestly, though, you're going to interact with so many people in your life. And if you can't find that confidence to believe in what you want to do and what you feel like you're capable of, it's going to be hard for other people to find that in you. And some people will, and some people won't, right? And I think until you find it for yourself, it's it's always a bit of a difficult journey. But that doesn't mean that you always, like, it's not this point of you find it and then it's done, right? I think it's always a constant journey of of trying to find that. And so, yeah, like always, I guess, staying confident in who you are. And, and, and um, I think if there's, one other piece of advice is that that emotional intelligence piece is something that I think a lot of people, it's like a secondary thing that happens in the workforce of like, okay, you've got certain people that are highly emotionally intelligent and some people that aren't, but it's not a trait that is often like looked at as, okay, that's the reason that we're hiring someone, or that's the reason that we want someone. A lot of times it's like your hard skills, right? And so I think those soft skills are something that um, go a long way beyond your career. And so, um, yeah, I started with confidence and then I turned into focus on your soft skills. So um, do with what whatever you want with that. <laughs> and as you said, just with this conversation and just with life, some things will apply now, some things will apply later. You've hit enough points of confidence and so now getting that softer skills and more emotional intelligence. This is where you need at this point in a conversation. So that's great. And what's the best way for listeners to reach out to you? You could reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, I, I rant quite a bit at times, so maybe just watch out. Uh, or Instagram. Um, both of them are at ShafizW, S-H-A-F-E-E-Z-W. You'll probably see that in the podcast description here somewhere. So yeah, that's the best place to, to reach reach out and anywhere related to another room because wherever you find another room, you will find me. Amazing. Shafiz, 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 I thank you so much for coming on today. You really gave a lot of points that I can learn from and I hope that the user, the users, right? I'm saying users because I'm the user desi UX designer and I'm so aware and like used to saying it, but hopefully our listeners are able to get a lot of wisdom from you today and just really just take pieces that apply to them and that they could use to really form a better life. Again, Shafiz, thank you for coming. Appreciate talking to you every time. Awesome, Jermaine. No, it was it was a wonderful uh, chat, and I'm always always glad to to get into the details of what it 
what life looks like, you know, as you're going through the peaks and, 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 and dips of confidence and feeling like, am I enough? Do I know enough? And um, always, always love getting into that topic. So thanks for, thanks for having me on today. No problem. And remember, everybody, feel free to like and share the content. We're really trying to get out to more people about making success a little bit more normal in their lives. And to also feel that because the journey is so nuanced and it changes from every time, you don't have to always feel like an imposter wherever you go through because, hey, we're all doing it. I'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking the Imposter. To stay up to date when episodes are released or to become a guest on the podcast, you can visit our website at www.breakingtheimposter.com. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so we can make sure the imposter stays broken.